James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com, and I'm coming to you tonight, as every night, all the way from the western shores of sunny Japan. So a good evening to you, wherever you might be right now. So thank you once again for tuning in to Corbett Report Radio here on RBN. It's great to have you back for tonight's broadcast, and it's going to be a little bit different than our usual Thursday broadcasts. We're going to start a new routine here on Corbett Report Radio for Thursdays. We're going to bring on every Thursday evening, for your listening pleasure, James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. And for those of you who watch my videos, either through CorbettReport.com or through YouTube.com slash CorbettReport, you will already know James as the co-host of the weekly news analysis series that we have called New World Next Week, which also has its own website at NewWorldNextWeek.com, and that has been recently revamped and revised by James uh, Evan Pilato. So uh, you can go and check that out, and the latest episode has just been posted in the last couple of hours, uh, so you can go and check that out if you want to get ready. But tonight and every Thursday night from here on in, we're going to be talking to James Evan Pilato about not his uh, main website, MediaMonarchy.com, but one of his sister websites. Of course, he also runs FoodWorldOrder.com, HolyHexes.com, and CyberspaceWar.com. So tonight we're going to be talking with him about foodworldorder.com, and the plan is that every Thursday night we'll be running through the latest in the food world order, um, and all of those latest stories for you right here on Corbett Report Radio every Thursday night, and that's in the latter half of the program, so 30 minutes from now, so set your timers on that one. And uh, as I say, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I think absolutely the food world order is an important part of understanding the entire enslavement grid that we're being put into because, of course, independence means primarily food independence. We all need to eat. We all need to drink. And that is the most basic primary fact of our natural existence. And unfortunately, as we know, the elite or the so-called elite are trying to engineer our food supply to make us uh, more and more sickly. And unfortunately, they've been doing that for a very long time and it's been working very well. So we'll be delving into stories each and every week that strike at the heart of that root of this new world order system that we're facing. So again, I hope you'll be joining us for that. And if you want to get prepared for that, you could go and take a look at foodworldorder.com while we're waiting for him to arrive. And of course, if you want to get in on tonight's broadcast, the phone lines will be wide open if you want to talk to James. Of course, he'll be here in the next half hour, so you can get on deck for that. And the call-in number is 1-800-313-9443. And in the first half of these Thursday night editions, while uh, we're waiting for James Evan Pilato, we're going to be running through some of the some of the headlines that are going on in the world, and of course, just crazier and crazier by the day. But uh, but some of the ones that we're going to get into, well, I'll get into that in a moment. First, I'd actually just like to uh, to uh, start by letting you know about something a little bit nice for a change. Um, of course, listeners who were listening the other night to J.J. Uh, Jones uh, talking about his Ron Paul songs might know that he has just released a brand new song, You're the Wrong One, Mr. Gingrich, obviously a take on Mr. Grinch, and that is available right now at his uh, YouTube site, youtube.com slash Berlin. That's all one word, Berlin. And right now that video, well, it has 304 views, but it has 247 likes and 5 dislikes, so that's telling me that it's uh, definitely received more views than YouTube is going to process today, so... It's already attaining somewhat viral status. I'm guessing it's probably got at least 2,500 views just looking at that likes counter all within 24 hours. So great news for uh, fans of JJ, and uh, it's good to see that his work is getting some good, well-deserved attention. 
as I think anyone who was listening to our Ron Paul songs edition of this broadcast the other night will agree. But on that note, we'll leave it there for now. We'll come back in just a couple of minutes after these messages to talk about all of the headlines in this incredibly mind-boggling New World Order system. So stay tuned and stay right there. here from CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Corbett Report Radio, and tonight on this Thursday night edition of Corbett Report Radio, we're going to be blasting through some news headlines and going over the latest and, uh, well, not so greatest from around the wild, wacky world that we're living in. As I say, the, the news just keeps getting more and more off the charts, so it's difficult to keep up, even if we're doing it on a daily basis, but... At any rate, every Thursday night we'll be blasting through news headlines and taking your calls at 1-800-313-9443. So uh, just to one of the latest breaking headlines that I have here, uh, I don't really know much about this, haven't looked into it yet, but the Washington Post and Yahoo News and other sources are reporting. There was a, another Virginia Tech shootout today. A police officer and a gunman were killed. Of course, uh, Virginia Tech, the scene of that uh, massively bizarre shooting rampage in 2007 where... 33 people were killed, supposedly, by that single gunman. Um, and there was a lot of uh, questions surrounding that whole incident. But here we have yet another on the campus of Virginia Tech. So uh, we don't quite know what the situation was all about there yet. Um, I'm sure we'll be getting more on that in the coming days. But uh, well, just one of those places to keep your eye on. One of the things that came out of that uh, original shooting story back in 2007 was that Virginia Tech had been host to some very uh, bizarre uh, institutions and laboratories with connections to government and things like that. And so it's, um, it's just one of those things to keep your eye on, and we'll, we'll see how that develops. Uh, moving right along, a really, really, really big story from CBS News from the other day, December 7th, uh, documents ATF used Fast and Furious to make the case for gun regulations. And, of course, this is basically what the alternative media has been covering since this whole Fast and Furious scandal really broke, and even before then, because it was in the news for months and months before the, uh, the mainstream news even bothered to look at it. But now CBS News coming out and admitting, absolutely, this was a false flag situation designed to, uh, to demonize the, the Second Amendment and to basically make the, the gun-grabbing of the, either this Obama regime or any future uh, regime that much easier because look at all these illegal weapons that are uh, making their way across uh, to Mexico and coming back in the form of drug gangs and all of that. Well, of course, we've known for a while the ATF were, were actually doing this. They were they were the ones that were running the guns. They knew all about it, and they were. Now it's coming out. Even CBS News admitting they were doing it deliberately in order to demonize the Second Amendment, in order to make the gun regulations that much more appealing. Um, you just absolutely cannot get more in your face than that, and kind of amazing that it's coming out in even a mainstream outlet like CBS News. So that indicates that there's some very, very big things coming down the line with this story. And uh, on that note, of course, we know Attorney General Eric Holder, one of the people implicated in this for his uh, testimony that's now turning out to be fraudulent about what he knew and when he knew it and all of that scandal, 
And I, I well, I have a, a source that has has intimated to me that uh, Holder will be stepping down this Friday and will be using this Fast and Furious scandal as the ostensible reason why he's doing so. I don't know about this. I, I don't really have any confirmation on this, so it's really just rumor and gossip at this point, but we'll see if that does take place. But the uh, the inside skinny supposedly is that um, this is Fast and Furious scandal will really just be the, the cover for Holder to, to get out of the way politically, to get make room for a uh, uh, the vacuum of a much bigger scandal um, that they don't want breaking in any way, and that's about something called PatCon, which is really just starting to break, and even Newsweek and other mainstream publications are starting to, to cover this. And PatCon is uh, basically an FBI operation. It stands for Patriot Conspiracy. And it was all about the FBI going undercover to infiltrate the, the Patriot community back in the early 90s and how that led into uh, Ruby Ridge and Waco. And, of course, for people who were listening to last week's broadcast on the OKC false flag, it also led into the OKC false flag bombing. And some big things are coming out on that front. So if uh, if you want to find out more about PatCon, which uh, this source is saying is the real reason holders are going to step down, we'll see again if it happens. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying that's the scuttlebutt. But if Holder is uh, stepping down, and if he does step down on Friday, that would be some remarkable confirmation that this source was right. And the source is saying it's because of the PatCon scandal, and they don't want this to break in any way, so they're just going to use the Fast and Furious scandal as an ostensible reason to have Holder step down and avoid the limelight on this PatCon scandal. But as I say, if you want more on the PatCon scandal, Patriot Conspiracy, the FBI undercover op to infiltrate the uh, the, the Patriot community, and of course, as we know, to commit uh, acts of terrorism to blame on them, like the OKC bombing, uh, you can go to sipsystreetirregulars.blogspot.com. Uh, they had a, uh, an article up last month, but they're also continuing to cover it. The, the article last month was the headline, SSI Exclusive, Hiding Mass Murder Behind National Security, What Newsweek and the FBI Didn't Want You to Know About PatCon and the OKC Bombing. And, of course, if you want the link to that, it will be on in the show notes for today's episode on CorbettReport.com slash radio. Uh, shortly after the show, I'll put that up and links to all of the headlines that we're talking about tonight, actually, so you can go and look at them for yourself. Uh, moving right along, just uh, as I say, another incredible week of incredible stories. And the next one, of course, going to Europe and, of course, talking about the Eurozone. Again, people who are following my videos um, might know that uh, I haven't posted it to Corbett Report yet, but uh, I've already posted it to GRTV, the, one of the uh, affiliates that I, I work with, uh, Global Research out of Montreal, Canada. And on YouTube.com slash Global Research TV right now, you can watch uh, my video interview with F. William Engdahl, an absolute veritable fount of information on, on so many different subjects, and especially on geopolitics. We got into an in-depth conversation about how the Eurozone collapse has been engineered by the Anglo-American financial interests, specifically for them to start taking over more and more of the world's economy and to continue to prop up the, the failing dollar, which we know is uh, really a, a, an ex-world currency in all but name right now. But the uh, the Euro has been taken down, and it's his, uh, his contention, William Engdahl's contention, that that was absolutely deliberately engineered as part of a a war that uh, the elites or the so-called would-be elites are playing in order to try to prop up the dollar well past its shelf life. And more indications of the uh, the Eurozone crisis, uh, we've got this one from endoftheamericandream.com, just posted up the other day. 
all hail the United States of Germany. The rest of Europe is facing either German domination or financial collapse, dovetailing in with a lot of what uh, our frequent guest Eric Schein talks about, of course, and his uh, concerns about the uh, the German nature of this New World Order. Well, here we go. It's uh, it's definitely coming to pass in Europe, and uh, there's an, a very important summit that's going to be taking place tomorrow, the 9th of December, uh, in uh, in Europe. It's a EU summit. And it's going to, well, the inside scuttlebutt, the, the people are saying that this is going to be the chance, at least, for the EU to, to have their quote-unquote Hamiltonian moment and make this into a big federal superstate, of course, governed by the European Stability Mechanism, one of those Orwellian terms by which they, of course, mean the Instability Mechanism and the End of Sovereignty Mechanism. Perhaps that's a better acronym for ESM. But at any rate, this uh, summit uh, coming up tomorrow is uh, really the last big chance before the new year for the EU, EU to act decisively on this Eurozone scandal. So definitely something to keep your eye on. I'm going to be keeping my eye on it for sure this weekend to see what develops. But for people who want more confirmation about what this uh, this plan is really about and the, uh, the German domination aspect of it, I will refer you to an article from the Daily Mail from the 9th of May 2009. It's called Revealed. The secret report that shows how the Nazis planned a Fourth Reich in the EU. Talking about the Red House report, which a researcher found recently, it's a report that the uh, the top Nazi officials um, drafted in the wake of a meeting they held at the Maison Rouge Hotel in Strasbourg on the uh, 10th of August 1944, towards the end of the war, when they, they knew they were losing the war, they knew they were the, uh, the Third Reich was going to go down, they had this meeting to talk about how to construct a Fourth Reich and build it on the ashes of the, the old Third Reich. And basically the idea was to uh, consolidate German industrialists behind a plan to go underground uh, working for the Nazi ideals, but not obviously parading around in the brown shirts and red armbands, but still being Nazis in all but name, and uh, basically infiltrating Europe uh, business-wise and in terms of uh, making an economic uh, takeover of Europe, and uh, basically everything that they were talking about, and you can go and read about this report, and you can see excerpts from it, and, and things like that on this Mail Online article, and everything they were talking about came absolutely to fruition, and is still continuing to come to fruition in the European Union. So, uh, again, just more indications of what this is all really about, and how the Nazis never did go away. So, again, that's from Mail Online, dailymail.co.uk, and, again, the link will be available in the show notes for today's episode at corbettreport.com slash radio. Another extremely important story I'd like to highlight tonight, it's from the Sydney Morning Herald, and it comes by way of uh, Corbett Report friend Jamie Owens, who you might remember from our earlier conversation about Fukushima. Well, he sent me this one that he caught in the Sydney Morning Herald, an extremely interesting story. Armageddon super virus recipe, keep secret or publish? And I'll just read the opening lines of that. To publish or not to publish? That is the question gripping scientists after virologists said they had developed a bird flu virus with a 60% human mortality rate that could spread as easily as the common cold. Some fear the virus, if it fell into the wrong hands, could be modified by bioterrorists into a weapon that kills billions of people. But supporters said publishing the H5N1 study would have the opposite effect by helping governments and other scientists learn about how they could counter such pandemics, whether they occurred naturally or artificially. 
an extremely interesting story. Again, I'll post the link so you can go and read all about it. Uh, just a very interesting, but all the more interesting when you know the context and the history of this story. Because, of course, absolutely, for anyone who knows, the bioterrorism industry is created and financed and funded by governments to be used to create bioterror scares. We've talked about it before. We'll continue to talk about it. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back on the other side with more news and information. Welcome back, friends, to this Thursday night edition of Orbit Report Radio. And as I hope that last frenzied segment showed you, these Thursday night segments are going to be data dumps of information. We're going to try to download as much information into your brain as possible at any one time before it explodes. So let's continue doing that. And, of course, coming up in the next segment, at the 30-minute mark, we're going to be bringing on James Evan Pilato of foodworldorder.com. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. All right, now let's switch gears, and to anyone who was listening to the uh, broadcast last week, you might have heard my, my prediction about the next false flag, talking about the possibility that, uh, that we're going to see some type of drone virus hacking incident being used as a cover for some sort of international incident. And lo and behold, what happened this week but a brand, uh, a brand spanking new top-secret surveillance drone got shot down in Iran. To anyone who saw that story, I think... I hope this, the hairs on the back of your neck were st- standing up, um, knowing what's at stake here. An excellent breakdown of the, uh, the ludicrous nature of the way this story was sold in the media comes from, of all places, The Daily Show, which I have my issues with at times, but at times it's right on with its satire and humor. So let's listen to this clip from the December 7th edition of The Daily Show where they're talking about this downed uh, dr- drone in Iran. Iran claims it has captured one of America's most sophisticated spy planes. The Iranians say they have their hands on an RQ-170, a secret stealth aircraft that carries the most advanced sensors, cameras, and listening devices for spying from the air. What the? RQ? No! (laughs) Our top secret invisible spy plane thingy ended up in Iran? How did that happen? U.S. officials tell NBC News that CIA operators on the ground were flying the drone when it suddenly veered out of control and headed deep into Iran. That brings us to our new segment. I'm no expert, but that sounds like bull****. It's a, a funny story, just minding our own business, you know, flying our drones and, uh, you know, spying on the Afghans. And uh, all of a sudden, Agent Nutmeg, the CIA cat, jumps on the control. And it's like, Row! and then the whole thing goes, Whoo! <laughs> Actually, one day later, they had a, a much better explanation. New information this morning about the U.S. drone that went down in Iran over the weekend. The unmanned aircraft was on a CIA mission and was part of a special fleet of stealth drones that have spied on Iran for years from an Afghanistan air base. Yeah, that makes a little more sense. 
All right, I think my listeners will be clued into what all of that was really about, and could it get any more blatant? I mean, exactly what we were talking about last week with this idea that these uh, hacked drones or whatever were going to be used as an excuse to start some sort of international incident. And here, you notice immediately in the wake of this downed drone scandal, they try to float the idea right away in the mainstream press that, oh, well, it was, we were just minding our own business over Afghanistan, and suddenly the plane veered off course and went straight into the heart of Iran. I think we all know that, that as, uh, as uh, John Stewart points out there, that is total BS, and we know much, much better than that. So um, absolutely very interesting that they tried to float that story right away in the heart of that scandal. And uh, also interesting to note that they withdrew it almost right away because uh, even the uh, the dumbed-down public just would not buy that kind of story. And it's a good thing they don't because, once again, our, truly, uh, we we are on the brink of World War III in so many different ways that we really need to be careful. And if we fall for another scam of any sort, I think it might be the last one we ever have to fall for because the elite consolidate more control with each scam that they bring in each false flag incident that brings us that much further to the brink of all-out nuclear war. And I don't say that lightly. I don't just pull that out of my hat. I mean, I truly believe we are on the brink of really, really bad things. Another indicator of that comes from BoilingFrogsPost.com from uh, just yesterday, uh, just today for you in North America, yesterday for me here in Japan, the 8th of December. Uh, just posted up, NATO update, Georgia's entry to NATO could lead to war. And it's talking about um, Georgia, the, the state in the Central Central Asia, of course, not the U.S. state, um, going for a NATO accession, basically trying to become a NATO member. Um, and it, this goes on to say, uh, included in my commentary was NATO's pursuit of resource-rich and strategically positioned nations in Central Asia and the Caucasus for the new round of membership acquisition. acquisition. And it says, the following article appeared this morning on my morning radar. Russia says Georgia's entry to NATO could lead to war. Russia's foreign minister has warned of a repetition of its 2008 war with Georgia if the South Caucasus state joins NATO. Speaking at a news conference after the NATO-Russia Council in Brussels on Thursday, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov said he had warned NATO foreign ministers against pushing the current Georgian regime towards a repetition of their August 2008 gamble. And it goes on to talk about the moves towards war in the uh, in the Caucasus there uh, between Georgia and Russia. If Georgia does make that leap and go for NATO accession, just a huge, huge development in an extremely volatile area that doesn't get very much coverage at all. But people who have been following my eye-opener reports will have noticed in recent weeks I've been concentrating more and more on that area because I really do think it is a powder keg in so many different ways, and that's just another indication of that. And another thing going on in Russia, of course, this staged uh, election scandal with protests that's going on. Greg is top to bottom. I'll put in a link to Land Destroyer report about that. But at any rate, we'll be right back with James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com. Hang on right there. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Right, welcome back friends on that low key intro, a perfect intro for our next guest. 
James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. And again, for people who haven't uh, been watching our New World Next Week video series, it's on my uh, CorporateReport.com, it's on YouTube, it's on Blip, um, it's on Archive.org, it's all over the place, and you can find it at NewWorldNextWeek.com. So if you haven't watched it yet, why not? And uh, and it's great to have James Evan Pilato on because, as I said on the very first episode of New World Next Week, he is the biggest news junkie I know, and I know a lot of news junkies now. So uh, it's always a data dump of information when he's on the program. So, James, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us, and I'm very much looking forward to this regular Thursday edition of Corbett Report Radio. Thank you so much for having me. No, I, I don't think you and I have ever actually been live before. We've always just kind of been pre-recorded on Skype. So this is great, and I and I really look forward to this to this opportunity. So I just want to make live, make- raw, and unedited. But yeah, <laughs> as you were about to say, yes, please introduce yourself because this is the first time some of the people out there will have been hearing your dulcet tones. I come from a college radio background. I, I won't give the long story. I come from a college radio background in my home state of West Virginia, but I've been in Portland, Oregon for over six years now. And in addition to doing the Media Monarchy radio show, which I do from a internet station here, the Portland Radio Authority, for over five years, I've also been working at a grocery store. So the food issue has become only that much more important. So James, I know you and I have kind of talked about in the wake of, you know, 9-11 was our sort of awakening to, you know, alternative media, alternative history, alternative news. But as the years went by, we, you know, it, it couldn't just be about 9-11. It started to be about money or religion or any of those things that affect us in this new world order. And the food issue seems to be the main one that it always kind of comes back to. So I think it's coming up on a few years now. It just happened kind of spontaneously on a live episode of my radio show in discussing food issues that were posted to Media Monarchy. I kind of coined the phrase on the air, food world order, and even said, oh, I I like that, and made the note, and I think I probably bought the dot-com domain later that night and immediately was like, no, I want to start another website just focusing on the food and the health issues. And there are times where I'm able to give it a lot of attention, and then other times things kind of draw me away as the, as the news winds may blow. As I was going to say, James, you were doing the whirlwind data dump. That it's perfect, yeah. That I'm that I'm here. I'm your, I'm your data dump kind of guy. So on my main show, we go over all the things on Food World Order, as well the other sites you mentioned, cyberspace, where we get into you know technology, inner space, outer space, holy hexes, religion, and the occult and society, and and so many other things, but. The food issue, I, I feel in a way it's it's really it's helpful for me, and I think you'd probably agree with that as far as any of your own endeavors, is that we're never want to seem like we're up on a pedestal trying to tell people, you know, oh, I've got it all figured out and we all know it all. And this is a learning process for, for myself, almost utmost. And the secondary is that, yeah, I can share it all out with everybody. Doing this kind of information... James, I, I think, is is educational. So the food, I need to be better about food. I think that's what I'm trying to kind of spit out. As the years have gone by, one, working at a grocery store, which is the first grocery store I've ever worked at, but a lot of my jobs in my past were, you know, washing, well, I was probably washing dishes at restaurant at 15 and prep cook and waiting tables and bartending and I have done all that stuff on the, on the East Coast. But here in Portland, I've, I've worked for a, independent 
Pacific Northwest only grocery store chain for over five years now. And I'm a lowly grocery clerk, but I'm there on the floor and I see tons of product and I talk to tons of people. So I, I think that kind of helps me, you know, in my own education with this. And the other main thing I would say is, you know, thanks to my girlfriend, she and I living together here on the West Coast has helped, you know, smack some of the worst things out of my hands. So I guess, James, maybe I'll, I'll quickly turn that around to you. Your own kind of food situations. Uh, it's, it's remarkably similar to yours. Uh, I certainly am not here on a pedestal uh, preaching at people. I'm learning with them because uh, I, too, eat a lot of uh, stuff that I shouldn't be eating and I know better, but I'm, I'm trying to make the changes little by little. And uh, certainly I'm blessed to be here in Japan where GMO foods are, for example, banned or at least ostensibly banned, at least the ones we know about. But um, but And similarly to your case, I have a wonderful wife who uh, is a billion times better cook than I am, and uh, we get a lot of nice, fresh, home-cooked meals with good, fresh uh, products, or at least they used to be before Japan was irradiated. So now we have to pick through our foods even more carefully to make sure that we're getting sort of locally sourced stuff and not stuff that's coming from the irradiated part of our fair island here. But um, there you go. It's uh, it's always a process of learning and trying to discover more about this Food World Order. That's why exactly why I recommend foodworldorder.com for keeping an eye on all of the hundreds of different balls that you keep in the air at any one time on foodworldorder.com. And again, my hat's off to you for putting together this resource so that people can learn together about how to improve what they're eating. And I, I would say, you know, the, the radiation issue in Japan is probably something we're going to return to, you know, time and time again, if not every week in this segment. And I do have one one story related to Fukushima on, on Food World Order that will maybe hit towards the end. But just to maybe kind of give a broad overview of what folks can find on Food World Order. A reference back to something, James, you and I covered just a couple of weeks ago on New World Next Week, and that was about Oregon having the highest percentage of, of people on food stamps. And we discussed that story and wondered if, if maybe the key to that or, or part of it was that it's been made so very easy and, and the part, you know, the award-winning, you know, programs to get people on food stamps. But the frustrating thing is when you sometimes feel like you you have, you know, your friends and people you know that are on food stamps. And in a way, it's like, man, you do have a job. Uh, you know, I'm not saying maybe your situation is perfect, but it just, it always smacks to me of, do you really need that? Is, isn't that something that's kind of meant for people who are really down and out? So we discussed Oregon having the highest rate of food stamps. A follow-up story, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a follow-up story came you know, not very much later, and this was posted December 2nd, and I grabbed it from Fox News, but there's other local resources, you know, and it's the Fox News station here in Portland, Oregon. Oregon food stamps used for Starbucks Frappuccinos. Oregon trail cards, which are part of the state's food stamp program, can be used to purchase luxury coffee concoctions at Starbucks counters inside grocery stores, and this piece that I do actually have up on my YouTube channel shows you know, them doing this sort of stealthy sneak-in camera, and they show, yeah, if it's a little Starbucks that's owned by the grocery store and not, you know, a corporate standalone place, you can get frappuccinos and, and basically luxury items. So people would look at it, and they talk to people in the parking lot. It's like, are, aren't you taking away from, you know, the milk, bread, eggs that your kids probably need? 
So it got a, a lot of comments. And the food stamp issue, James, I think is only going to become to get larger and larger. I even just grabbed, I think it's not even an hour ago, posted to the San Francisco Guardian, 46 million on food stamps, up by two-thirds. And as we discussed on the most recent New World next week, Newt Gingrich in the world wrestling ring that is American politics battling with Obama over food stamps. So we discussed that, and I think it's just going to become more and more of, of an issue in this country. Absolutely, no doubt about that. And to be clear for people out there who might interpret this the wrong way, we're not attacking people who are on food stamps who, who actually do need the assistance. That's not really what we're about. But um, but certainly I think there are people who, who do take advantage of the system. And even more so than that, I think the system itself is fundamentally flawed. I think we need to go back more to communities taking care of each other instead of relying on any state government to take care of it for us. But yes, this is going to become more and more of an issue as the the meta-economy is engineered to collapse, and more and more people are on the brink of starvation. Um, it's just a, a horrific situation, and it's lose-lose for everybody. You know, and that really is something, because I've often said I feel like Portland, Oregon, seems to be a place that has positioned itself better than maybe a lot of, of cities in the in the country or even around the world to be able to weather what obviously is coming with a global food crisis, you know, engineered false flag kind of food crisis but a crisis nonetheless so on the one hand yeah i feel like well portland does have a lot as far as you know community and local food and just even the pacific northwest at large but then the flip side is you have all the kind of folks who you know like i said who i feel like basically people you know in my kind of situation i'm not rich but i have a job and it it gets me by. I don't have a car. I don't have a lot of luxury items, but I never really wanted any of that stuff. When it's people, I guess, my general age or demographic who I know are healthy and all of those things, I, I feel like they're kind of gaming the system. But, Great. Well, uh, what else have we got up on Food World Order? Owen, <laughs> let's, let's lighten the load a little bit, perhaps. Uh, Time Magazine, their Healthland blog. And, th- and that's, you know, been another thing, running Food World Order finding all those other kind of sites. Because I figure, as far as Media Monarchy goes, well, I've got always my main go-to you know, news sites, whether that's Blacklisted News or Intel Hub or you or those kind of main sources. When I started to do the food site, it's like, oh, now I have to go find you know, all these other kind of sources. And just like on Media Monarchy, we grab from you know, mainstream independent blogs just to give a, a broad overview. So, of course, linking to things does not equal endorsement by any stretch. Can fast food toy bans really help kids eat better? There have been, you know, moves to ban, you know, toys and fast food that's making the kids fat. And we want to ban everything. The other one that ties in is a new study from the Environmental Working Group, and they're on Twitter at EWG Toxics. Study ranks 10 worst cereals for sugar. Are you a cereal fan? James, or were you maybe in the past? I, I continue to be, unfortunately. <laughs> is, is that maybe something that is another kind of, you know, male? Or... I, try, I try to eat less sugary cereals these days, so maybe that'll help. And that's something that I, you know, I see, it again, at, at the store that I work, we have the whole run of, you know, smaller local things. You know, I love there's a local company, Tracy's, you know, granola. When we get cases in from them, you know, the bags are still warm sometimes. It's just amazing. But then we also sell Cheerios and all kinds of other junk. So I think, you know, we kind of pull from both sides. 
But when I see, I see little kids trying to, you know, talk their mom into cereal and they're always going for the worst thing, I sometimes want to, like, no, kid, don't even, don't even try that one. You know, try for this other one. You know, you at least kind of have a shot with this other one. And I'm being a cereal connoisseur. I've helped out kids and adults alike at the store. But I was never allowed to have super sugary cereal. I remember distinctly 12 grams was the cutoff. If, if cereal had more than 12 grams per serving, we weren't allowed to get it. So this idea, I think, of banning everything and banning toys and games and banning sugar and cereal or, or Happy Meals or any of those things brings back, like so many of these issues, your own kind of personal responsibility. 100% agreed. I mean, absolutely. How much of abdicating our own responsibility for these things are we willing to, to stand up for and still call ourselves adults? I mean, if we want to be treated like children, there's lots of people who are willing to do that. And a lot of them infest the uh, the upper halls of government. But uh, but as free human beings, we have to take the responsibility on ourselves and to uh, to parent our children ourselves, and not to have the government tell us what what to do. Now, James, just so you know, the uh, number one worst is Kellogg's Honey Smacks at nearly fifty six percent sugar by weight. Honey Smacks? No way! Surprising. <laughs> and I don't think that's the one they, they used to call like su- super sugar crisp, which I think they changed to like super golden crisp and then golden crisp or something. <laughs> um, an, an interesting story I saw today out of Atlanta that Coca-Cola moves their formula from the SunTrust Bank for the first time in 86 years to some new vault at some new Atlanta Coca-Cola museum they're building. And I just saw that idea and so it's like, oh, I wonder... Reminded me, made me think of you know, that film, The Inside Man, where you know the guy actually hides in the bank to, to get the slip to show that one of the heads of the bank was involved with the Nazis. So I couldn't help but think of Coca-Cola and the Nazis and bank vaults and secret moves for the first time in generations there. And those what was are the, the Nazi that, cola again? The Nazi soft drink? It's uh, Fanta. Yeah. And that's... Again, one of those things that being being at work, I can sometimes not like I can talk about you know media monarchy kind of things all the time. If anything, it's a lot. You know, it's people coming to me to talk about things, and I'm like, ah, let's not talk about <laughs> while I'm <laughs> at this moment. But to be able to kind of blow people's minds and say Fanta, you know, that's that's the Nazi drink, and to have then they'll go, all you got to do is go Google Fanta Nazi drink, and go, oh, that's weird. And those are the kind of things, again, that I think on Food World Order, we can talk about food and we can talk about junk food and Coca-Cola and local organics and all those things, but then still get at the greater kind of hidden history from, from all around the world and, and give it to folks, you know, in a different, in a different way. There is also a story about Chick-fil-A, which is a, a fast food sort of chain here in the States. I don't know if it's elsewhere. They're going after a group in Vermont that started a nonprofit you know, kind of group called Eat More Kale. And Chick-fil-A has this slogan that they've been running for a long time called Eat More Chicken, where it shows cows trying to implore people to eat chicken so they won't eat hamburgers to save a cow, blah, blah, blah. But a major, you know, huge corporation going after people for putting Eat More Kale on a on a T-shirt, again, just shows the sort of encroaching corporatism everywhere. The last story I'll mention, James, and you can touch on any of these things any way you want, or you can also say you wouldn't touch one at all, from Bloomberg. And I'm not sure if I grabbed this originally from your own FukushimaUpdate.com or or elsewhere. Cesium in baby milk powder shows lingering threat of Japan radiation. 
Radioactive cesium was found in milk powder in Japan made by a Meiji Holdings unit, raising concerns that nuclear radiation is contaminating baby food. I found the use of the word lingering threat kind of interesting, as if, oh, it's just kind of lingering, as if it's not that bad. (laughs) Right. Well, and unfortunately, the Ministry of Health has just come out in, uh, in the last couple of days to say, oh, it's, it's no big deal. It's a, it's a small dose and you dilute it anyways with water. So it'll get even more diluted. So it, there's really no health risk. Again, trying to feed that, that, um, that same old line that they've been using for all of the different radiation expose, expose, exposures to say that, uh, oh, it's just a small amount. So it doesn't affect you. But of course, it's not just a small amount. It's a small amount that people consume over and over and over and over and it's cumulative. So any amount of radiation is bad for you, and the more and more and more you put in yourself, uh, the more it adds up, which is what they uh, they don't tell you in those types of whitewashes. But yeah, I've been covering this the last couple of days on FukushimaUpdate.com. Just another example of the, more of the, the ridiculous stuff that the, the Japanese people are unfortunately seem to be putting up with um, for the most part, although there is some protest movements here, so that's hopeful. That almost reminds me of a George Carlin bit where he, he notes that Saliva has been discovered to cause cancer, but only if swallowed in small amounts over a long period of time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's the way it works. All right, just uh, an incredible amount of information, and the the time is just way too short. We're going to take a break here. James, will you stay on the line for the last segment so we can go over your websites? Sure, sure. Excellent. All right, well, everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio, friends. James Corbett here from CorbettReport.com, joined on the line by none other than James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. And can you believe it's already been an hour? I absolutely cannot myself. So uh, time just flies when you're going through millions of stories. So I hope your head is spinning by now from all of the information we've thrown at you and that you will go to CorbettReport.com slash radio after the show to check out the links to all of these stories but in the final few minutes here, James, again, you're just doing so much work every week. Tell people a little, little bit about the different things that you do from your podcast to your websites to uh, your videos. Yeah, well, first I would say, <laughs> man, you are the one doing all the work. Your, your work makes me constantly want to keep going and keep stepping up my game. And I, and I hope that's how all, all of these things work on all the different levels. So, uh, you know, it's I appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm blushing like a young maiden. <laughs> I've always just, I've always just been a huge media and kind of pop culture student or fan. It's, I have a degree in, in mass communications and a minor in theater that I'm using to work at a grocery store and do a alternative news podcast and video series. But I, I've just, I've, I spent tons of time in record stores and bookstores and video stores growing up, even for a long time, wasn't even allowed to, you know, actually watch movies or go to movies or, or buy music in kind of a conservative Christian upbringing. But once, once that wall kind of crumbled, there was, there was no looking back. And as the years have gone by, I think I used and have taken the, the things and the tricks and the skills that I picked up doing college radio and doing sound design and, and things for theater and, and playing live music and collaborating with, you know, a band and musicians and all of those sorts of things 
I've tried to transfer over into doing what is media monarchy, and that is sort of everything around the, that we see, whether it's those sort of, you know, what folks have called synchromistic kind of I- events that we see in pop culture kind of repeat. And I just, in, I like to take all of those things and do to the best of my ability, at least, you know, once a week with the live two hour show, put all of those things about food and the occult and music and media and and politics and the politicians and the numerology and the planets and and all of those things that we see and put it together in a, in a show that I, I guess I kind of as of late have been referring to, you know, the real news remixed and that you'll hear, you know, a lot of music, a lot of clips. And I, I think it's probably unlike most alternative media shows out there. And I, I think that's what and hope that's what people dig about it. Well, I got to admit, I, I get a lot of uh, links to a lot of different alternative media things, and and sometimes they're interesting or they're they're okay. But um, I remember you got in touch with me; uh, it must have been a few years ago now. And I started listening to your podcast, and uh, I I was hooked. I just haven't stopped listening since then. Uh, truly, no other podcast out there puts as much information into each and every episode as yours. So, once again, if people haven't checked out Media Monarchy podcast, uh, you can definitely go and check that out. And obviously, you're also on live um, on on the internet. So. People can listen in that way, but uh, tell us about your videos. The videos that I've been working on slowly, probably over this last year, appearing with uh, a guy named Bob Tuscan, who's with the Intel Hub, and doing a monthly appearance with him and taking those appearances and putting them up on YouTube.com slash Media Monarchy, the newly upgraded YouTube.com slash Media Monarchy, where you can see all my videos and also links to some of my other favorite sites like Corbett Report and Eighth Estate and Tragedy and Hope and, and all of those other sites. There you go. The keyword is Media Monarchy, and as you put it, uh, you can find them on Twitter Tube and Face Space and all of those other uh, <laughs> social media type sites. And absolutely, pe- please check into NewWorldNextWeek.com as well for our regular weekly video series. Uh, James, thank you so much for your time tonight, and uh, let's do this again every Thursday. Fantastic. Thanks so much. All right, and thanks to all of you out there for listening. See you tomorrow night for Friday Night Highlights edition of Corporate Report Radio.